Hello and welcome to Nerd Punch's Nerd Game of Thrones, Episode 9 of Season 3. Warning, there are spoilers for all A Song of Ice and Fire books. Okay, so let's talk about this episode. Now... The first thing I think that we need to address before we get into any crazy spoilers is, is now that Sam has become a wizard, and I don't mean the Sam in our podcast, I mean <laughs> Sam Well Tarly. I know that Sam Well Tarly has become a wizard because he can read. How soon before he becomes an actual wizard? Now, I know that sounds a little nuts, but hold on a moment. Think of this. In the first season... There was actually a call-out when... Right, no, 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 I realized that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, okay, so you remember what I'm talking about. When Jon Snow and Sam are talking, and he's like, I want to be a wizard! Oh, hip-hip, cheerio! And he said, he said that he wanted, he always wanted to be a wizard. Right, right, from all his old books and such. Now, here's the interesting thing. You really don't know in these stories about wizards or whatever, how much is actually true, uh, you know, what is this really a story, right? Uh, so, so you're saying, the, the so it's kind of like the, a theory of the idea that at the Citadel, they, like, teach you to be a wizard? Well, you remember that it's interesting because there is sort of two different things going on at the Citadel, right? There's the sort of conspiracy by the Citadel people to stop magic, and then there's the anti-conspiracy but we don't really know who, and they're trying to, you know, actually deal with, you know, this magic stuff. Remember, at the end of A Feast for Crows, there's the whole thing where Meister Merwin is leaving to go get to, to Daenerys, and... Meister Lewin, you mean? Not Meister Lewin, Aemon. No, Aemon... Okay. Well, that's right. Spoilers! Well, isn't this whole thing... is dead... And he dies during the trip, right? Who does? Eamon dies during the trip. Right, right. And basically, there is that whole sort of, well, what is there some like real magic thing going on? Is, is, what's the black candles? Is he really going to learn magic? I feel like that would be kind of an interesting thing that could happen, actually. Well, I think if there's anyone in Westeros who knows how to do magic, um, you know, excepting the, uh, you know, the acolytes of the Lord of Light, of course, that we know actually can do magic, like Melisandre or Thoros or whoever. Um, Archmaester Morwen would be the guy to talk to. He seems like someone who actually um, would know something about that. But I'm I'm kind of kind of surprised that um, in this episode, the first thing that you wanted to talk about was the... Uh, the question of whether Sam is a wizard. Yeah. Because I feel like that's kind of a minor point in this story. We can talk about, like, the power of, um, you know, literacy and reading and books and, and stuff like that. And I've seen some other people comment on that on this episode, and I think that's an important thing to talk about. But uh, one thing that's not really important in this episode is wizardry. Unless you want to talk about Melisandre and um, mm-hmm. her possible influence in in causing one of the one of the usurper kings to be killed, or or the whole uh, bringing back to life thing, you know, 
is it is it is it Thoris who brings back Catelyn? Um, I think. Uh, well, I mean, obviously that hasn't happened yet, but I believe in the book it was Beric himself who did it. What? Really? No. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. What? Hold on. That that can't be right. No, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's right. But Beric Dondarrion isn't a priest, though. No, I think he does it. Hold on. You know yeah. what? You're right. What happens is he dies. You know when what? He gives I'm his, right. When he gives <laughs> his life to bring back Catelyn, that's what happens. Oh, I didn't realize that. Because remember, Thoris was saying to to Brienne, "Oh, you know, he um, like he he gave the last of himself or something like that. Like, like he had too many, like he had too many rebirths or whatever." But how and many that, times did he die? I don't know. But when did they? Seven. That's right, seven. Right, exactly. So when did he? So when did we find out that Beric did it, though? When did we find out? Well. Uh, I think not, it was later on. I, I mean, mean, I mean, the whole uh, the Lady Stoneheart thing—that's at the very, very end of Storm of Swords, right? Yeah, I don't remember exactly when we. Oh, no, 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 no. But, but then it's but then it's towards the end. But then it's towards the end of Feast for Crows as well. Right, right. Because Brienne sees her, and and then you know, Catelyn's like, "Bullshit, fuck you," or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, well, she uses mine, but yes. Now, we talked about before how we think that season might end. Do you remember what you said? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the thing, like looking into the fire or something like that, and like and like Balan Greyjoy dying. Um, so, I what was it I thought before? I, I thought that um, it's also possible that um, what was I saying? Um, I, I I I don't remember. So just just keep going. It'll, it'll come to me. Well, we thought that uh, Sam killing other would be in the in the last episode, and it wasn't. Well, that's what we right? thought, but then we, but then we more recently said that we think it's going to be that we. Or like, I was thinking that it probably is, that it might be something like Balan Greyjoy falling off the bridge, and then like maybe it's zooming out of Melisandre's fire or something like that. You oh yeah, I mean? that would be an interesting way to do it. I mean, so let's talk about the Sam thing for a second. Yeah. We haven't had any. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the biggest Jeremy is really obsessed with Sam being a wizard. Yeah, I'm fine talking about it. It's fine. Forget the damn wizard stuff. I just thought that's interesting because I, I don't know if they put that in there because there's something that they know about what's going to happen to Sam the character. So I've, uh, I've seen some interesting comments on the fact that this is more like a meta commentary and that like George R. R. Martin is a wizard because he can write his characters to live or die or that Tywin Lannister is a wizard because he can cause all the events to happen by doing all, you know, writing all of these letters and sending them out as he has been doing for several episodes now. Um, so I think it's more, it's sort of a parallel to, to those issues or storylines rather than anything really having it to do directly with Sam. Well, here's an interesting thing, actually. I, I was watching an interview once with George R. R. Mark and um, uh, he was basically talking about, you know, he, he normally says how a, uh, how Tyrion is his favorite character, even though, you know, he loves all his characters. And he said, you know, Tyrion is actually, like, the most like me. And then, then he stopped and said, actually, Tyrion is... Uh, Tyrion is really, like, who I'd like to be. He's kind of a little more clever, or at least uh, on the spot more clever. He said, I'm actually probably more like Sam. So that's an interesting thing. That's what it made me think about. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know. I really hate finding out about theories about things. 
Because they're often right. <laughs> or not all of them. Well, like, there's been plenty of theories that have been wrong. Right, that's true, that's true. I just... But you know. forget, well, let's, let's not even think about theories of the books or what happens. I'm just thinking about purely adapt- adaptation aspects. We have not had Sam the Slayer yet, because there was no run around to witness it other than Gilly. So, sh- so if uh, we don't see anything left, what's going to happen with Sam is that, how are they going to fi- call him Sam the Slayer? If nothing else happens, then it would have to be where maybe Gilly talks about it and they say, Oh, you killed it? Yeah, Sam the Slayer here. That's one the way they could do it. They, the other, they might not actually ever call him Sam the Slayer. That's another option that they just don't do it, which would be a shame, because I always like that. You know, the some people doing it kind of sarcastically, but some kind of with a little bit of mild respect. Yeah. Well, that was. I mean, it, it was it was a nice touch, but it's a small thing. I think um, I much more miss the lack of of Dolores Ed. Um, than anything else from from all of those scenes of North Dollars, that is hilarious. Well, that's not really my favorite thing. But do you, do you think see the wall? Do you think I guess it's kind of an aside, but do you think they're gonna have Janice Slint on on the wall and John like uh, John beheading him? Because I, I hope just so. Well, that's, that's not until next season. No, wait, that's not a while. No, no, that's, no not, that's not. That's not for a long time. Dragons. It was the beginning of Dance Dragons, but it was great because I remember. Uh, oh, it was great. It was fantastic. Remember, remember, he just kept saying, <laughs> "You will rue the day that you." <laughs> and then, like, as he starts to lift his sword, he's like, "Wait a minute, let's make a deal. Hold on, hold on, I'll go, I'll go, damn it, I'll go." <laughs> he basically, like, as he draws his sword, he's like, "Fuh, I spit on you, I spit," and then he like he starts to, you know, and then his sword is still coming out. Fah, foo, fooey, and then he then he pulls out the sword. He's like, "What?" A baby has a sword. Little boy gonna be playing with the sword, and then he raises the sword above his head, and it's like, "Hey, well, hold on now. Wait a second. Wait a second. Then he, then John lifts him up. And it's like, um, hey, listen. You, you know, let's let's just talk for a second. Let's, hey, let's all pa- guys, guys. Can we all pause, please? Yes. Yeah. I just well, want to have a little powwow. German. The whole thing is that. The whole thing also remember in the books is that is that Janice Slint was like he didn't he didn't you know kill Ned but he like held up his head. That's like the whole thing. Well, you know? he definitely betrayed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it was that and um and the Hound in the show raised his head, right? Yeah, I think it was the Hound, the Hound who raised yeah, Ned's so head. So they they might just be cutting him out, which is unfortunate because he was such a great character to see die. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope they will have him in, but that's a long time from now. It is not actually a long time from now, because... Chronologically, uh, you're right. You're right. Because it's technically during Feast for Crows. And maybe a little bit of Storm of Swords. Probably more right. Feast for Crows. Yeah. So, I mean, remember, Slint gets, you know, thrown away by Tyrion to the wall, because he knows you can't just kill him. And, you know, then that stuff happens, blah, 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 you know... I think right, that... but even even if chronologically it's not that long from now, I mean, we're talking about something that's going to happen not even in next season, but probably in the well... season after that. Because the Siege of the Wall is going to be next season. I have to assume it is. Yeah. I have to assume that the initial force, the initial force of the Wildlings is going to be next episode, and that's also when Ygritte will probably die. Yeah. I have yeah. to assume that's what's going to happen, because, yeah, you know... No, it is a little bit different from the book in terms of that, but I, I without I just sort of was thinking of the 
what are they going to do with Sam? Like, are they going to have in the final episode of the season them meeting up with Bran and the Reeds? Because, I mean, they do meet up, after all, and, you know, he's talked about it, but we haven't the problem, seen... The problem with doing that at, in the last episode of this season is that then you have really nothing to say about Bran for a long time. Oh, that's true, but keep in mind, I mean, is he, is he even in... I don't think he's in a Feast for Crows at all. No, of course not. He's not in Feast for Crows. So, yeah, that's true, he's not much in it. But of course, he has like he has essentially what I would call a pretty interesting story in Dance with Dragons. But even I, so, it's but that's just, also kind of a slow story. Not a whole lot happens. Slow, in it. Yeah, Brand's story is always pretty slow, and I don't mind it. But it's, it's also fine that there are fewer chapters with him. I mean, you think they'll have cold hands, you know, starting uh, starting next season? I think they don't have a choice about that. I think they have to have cold eyes. Cold hands. Now the real question is: Is he just going to show up? I don't think he's going to show up next. You think he's going to look like Benjamin? <laughs> nah, well, no, but we don't see him, right? We never, don't we know? Yeah, you never see, see his face, like? that's right, that's right. So we don't, it, 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 they could just have any actor play in that person, you know, in the final episode. But, like you said, I feel like that would be losing time. Obviously, Sam has to get back in time for what you were talking about, the siege. But yeah. that's only, but that can happen later. Yeah. I think that they'll definitely be integrating stuff from season four into next season, because it's sort of like they've gone through, I don't know, 60% of the book or so by this point. Yeah. So well, I feel well, like they have when, to. When, when do you think, so when do you think they'll, they'll appoint John as Lord Commander? Do you think that'll be in the ninth or 10th episode of next season? It's an interesting yeah, idea. Yeah, it really depends on how they're going to be arranging it. Well, it, actually, it would make sense for it to be the 10th, because remember, they, they appointed him the King of the North, Rob, King of the North, you know, in, um, uh, in the tenth, uh, on the tenth episode of the first season, mm-hmm. so um, you know. By the way, what happened to what happened to Great John Umber? Oh Where's, well, okay. So that's that's one of those things him, that just sort of remember, happens. Remember, some of the Umbers showed up. It wasn't Great John, but some of the un- Umbers showed up during the Red Wedding. I actually do have an answer to that, and this okay. is one of those sometimes real life gets in the way. You can't avoid it. Nonsense. Which is essentially the actor had some issues. I'm not going to get into what it was, but let's just say there were some criminal issues that he had to deal with, and nice. he couldn't come back. Slumber. <laughs> I know, right? It's ridiculous. Yeah, typical. Uh, whatever the situation was, he couldn't come back, so they couldn't have him in, basically, is what happened. Which is sort of unfortunate, and they didn't recast him. Maybe just because he was so clearly perfect for that role. Yeah, yeah he was... Uh, which is unfortunate, because I smelt the same thing about, you know, the guy who played the mountain in the first season that he was just great. I remember that one scene yeah. with him and the hound. <laughs> Jeremy, you know, you know what they're going to bring in next? They're going to bring in Nathan Jones <laughs> for, <laughs> for both the hound and Great well, Dunham. No, that would be terrible. <laughs> that would just be terrible. Because, <laughs> he, you know, he was arrested for armed robbery. All right, no one knows what we're talking about. So um, I don't even know what you're talking about. He was a, basically, there, he was this wrestler... Who this Australian wrestler? You know how like the WWF would, or WWE would, would do all these like in, like like detailed promos for like for people like for new wrestlers like you yeah, know sure, just, sure. On, who's this new person? So this, they had a big like a really good like 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 setup for this guy Nathan Jones to come in who was like he was out of they were saying he was out of prison he had time to just sit and, and think and wait he was like arrested for armed robbery which was really true but he came in 
And all he could do was just this roundhouse kick, and he was the worst wrestler. And he was he was terrible. It was just a roundhouse kick. That's all he did. He was worse than Hulk Hogan. Like it was pretty bad. Right now, the only problem is, is that Nathan Jones is technically like six eleven. So unfortunately, you're probably right. Yeah, he would <laughs> perfect. He'd roundhouse kick with a two handed. <laughs> I remember when um, WCW made this big, big promo for this guy named Berlin, um, who was supposed to be this, like, he only spoke in German. He needed a translator to speak for him. Um, And, like, they built it up and built it up and built it up, and he would appear. He wouldn't actually wrestle. He would just, like, appear, and he would, like, talk in German at people and stuff, and then his translator would, would translate for him. And then, like, it turned out that he was just, he sucked. He was just... Like this stupid, like there was, well, a, it made no sense. Okay. It was just awful. Also, I think his translator like forgot her lines at some point, um, was which was kind of amusing so, because she wasn't actually a translator. She just had like memorized lines and she forgot them live on TV. Well, that makes sense. But getting back to Game of Thrones for a second. Yeah. <laughs> so the truth is the Oberyn versus Mountain fight has to be done well, and it's not so simple because. You need to have some athleticism in some parts of it. Certainly, Oberon has to be done well. And there's some things you can do to cheat, to hide. And if someone's just decently athletic, you can do a lot of stuff. Like we saw with this episode, for example. But I'll get to that in just a second. But think about it this way. You need to make sure that the mountain looks, in comparison to Oberon, like, big. He has to look huge. He has to be convincing that he can crush his skull. It's really important. You know, we want to see that. I mean, right. that, that's sort of one of the... I think uh, among they, the things I've had issues with in the adaptation, the biggest one is that we just don't care about the mountain as much. Right, like, well, we yeah. kind of care about him. We, we talked about that before, about how he's just, really like, see, not... He like, doesn't have the same presence yeah, impact like, on the see, story. He, even though he's not in all the books, you see he's, like, kind of... He's, like, this monster roaming around Westeros. That's kind of what he is. Right. And everyone has his view, and he really is a monster. Like, yeah. like he's cruel, he's huge, and anytime you run into him, it's always like, oh fuck! Like, like how'd you how'd you run into this guy? It's and never it gonna never, end well. And it never ends well whenever someone meets up with him. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I suppose what happens. I, I don't, we, but you're I don't right. Well, you don't you don't get a sense of him being huge. That's the thing. You get the sense that he did all these things uh, in the Riverlands. And that, that he, he was like kind of he's kind of Tywin's lackey, but it's not, you know. Yeah, but another problem is that like with all the uh, goat stuff and everything, they were just terrible people. Partially because the mountain liked horrible people around him. Are you and, talking about the um, the brave companions? Yeah. So because we don't really get that connection either, it's another we're not really finding out. We're not really being informed on mountain stuff, I guess. But weren't the brave companions uh, the guys who chopped off Jamie's hand? Yes. Yes. Oh, they're oh right, that's right. They, they were the mountains men. Yeah, they were just like yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's kind and of who a shame. Are, who are the bloody mummers? They're, they're, they're the same guys. That's, just, oh. that's what no, but that's what people call them, not to their faces. Okay. It's one of those kinds of things. Like, Why were they called mummers? What was the whole thing like? What does a mummer? Because they're they're a freak show. I mean, a mummer is just an actor. Right, right, right. Oh, but okay. uh, but yeah, they're they, they people call them that because because they're a freak show. Right. Well, that's true. The fat Dothraki. <laughs> uh, that would have been fun to wait, see. Wait, wait, see, wasn't, that wasn't could have been how they brought could have brought back Jason Momoa. Have him be a fat Dothraki. 
<laughs> I guess they just of didn't course. want him. They didn't want. They, they didn't want to give, either give him a fat suit or have him gain weight. But that would have been pretty funny. You have to oh. admit, if By they the... brought back Jason Momoa in a fat suit to play the fat Dothraki, by the way, Zello, Zello the Fat, isn't that his name? <laughs> Is it the Fat? I think. I don't know if that's really his name. I think. That's what, because remember when Jamie later on when Jamie becomes the Lord Commander, and he he's like reading the the book of the King's Guard, you know, their official chronicle or whatever, and and he like writes a little bit in his own entry, and he says something about his hand being chopped off, and I think the the name of the guy that he said chopped off his hand was Zalo the Fat. Zalo the Fat. I... That's a At least I hope that's that what his name is because it's pretty. Reminds fun. me. Remember, Jeremy, we were talking about that possibly if they have strong bellus, the Rock would be a great decision, but like. I was just thinking, and I was thinking too, like um, uh, maybe they'll have Barristan do that scene uh, instead. Um, but here's the thing: they haven't showed Barristan really fighting, and you, like you think they're going to be able to do that? Because realistically, they've done it a little bit. But I feel like, like I was saying, you know, you can do some interesting cheats with this stuff. I think, I think they'll be able to. But let me just read you a little bit of a description from the Wiki of Ice and Fire about Zolo. 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 Zolo, better known as Zolo the Fat, was a Dothraki <laughs> member of the Brave Companions. He is fat. <laughs> I'm glad that they were so descriptive. Nice. Um, okay, we should probably get back on that. Are, are, should we talk about the Red Wedding, perhaps, maybe? Well, let's, let's hold off on that a little bit, because I want to get into <laughs> some of the other parts of the, of the episode. Because, okay. So talked a little bit for a second about the brand stuff and how finally they split off Rickon and I actually liked the little interplay between them because yeah yeah that's with you in the book Rickon is like a non-entity he's a a feral child that barely speaks he's really what he really is he's really what he is he he serves a function for brand he's kind of an extension not that he's like brand he's kind of an extension of brand he's in brand's world and that's all that it really is it kind of like it kind of like softens or annoys Bran. He's just like you know a little younger fake, but he's not like you know. Also, because remember in the uh, in the um, uh, in the books, everyone's much younger. So so true, true. Rick, Rickon was three in that part. He's six in the yeah. Right. A mu- quite a difference, really. Even there's still, six is still ridiculously young, but three. I is I really agree. Young. I really like that scene. I liked it a lot. Um, although, I, I mean, it's not really a complaint with this episode, but actually the way they've treated Rick in earlier episodes, because he's, he kind of vanishes a lot of the time. You know, we see Bran a lot, and we see the Brands with Hodor and uh, Osha. In the, in the and, book, the books you know, show. No, in the show. And, yeah. like, we see but all of these people together, them. and then the, the Reeds came along, and so we see them, you know, Jojen and Mira, and they're hanging out. And, like, Rickon is almost never there. So that's kind of like mean, the books. I mean, it's not like the books, really. I mean, we we know that Rickon is there in the books because it, it says he's there. It mentions him frequently. Um, but on the show, it's like we, you know, it's. I feel like it's easy to forget that he's even with them until this episode, and all of a sudden they're like, "Goodbye, Rickon. We're gonna miss you." And and I, you know, well, my well- sense of it is that I didn't watch this episode with uh, with non book readers. But my sense of it is that, like, a lot of, uh, probably a lot of, you know, people who watched the show that didn't read the books were kind of surprised because they forgot that Rickon was even there in the first place. Yeah, but in fairness, I feel like a lot of book readers also have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when we found out, oh, he's in the Skagos, the Island of Cannibals, where there are unicorns. 
That's right. Uh, That's right. The okay. island of Skagos. I don't know what. <laughs> I guess maybe we'll see some stuff when the Davos. Where there are there. cannibals and unicorns. Yeah, right. I mean, the unicorns are cannibals. I, I would have to imagine we do see unicorn. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> they're supposed to be ugly. Yeah, right. See, that's more the, interesting. The the yeah. unicorns of Skagos are supposed. They're not like pretty rainbow unicorns. Right, right. Like if they're just like a mutation <laughs> or something, you know. Like they're basically just a, ho- a horse with a horn, like sort of like kind of like a rhino, except a horse. they probably look like rhinos actually. Yeah, I would. I could buy that. I could buy that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was glad that they did the. The Hoder insertion, if you will, where he got inside him. You know, I also like that, you know, he was finally going around going, Hodor, Hodor. Although, I did miss the... That happened in the book. He, he didn't go inside Hodor until Dance of Dragons, right? No, he did go there. He just, they just don't really know about it. They don't really want well, yeah, he, it. He was a secret. secret. Yeah. And I feel like he knew that it was, like, a really, like, creepy thing to do in the book, and so he tried to hide it from people because he thought it would freak them out. Right. In the show, the the any kind of moral questions are just brushed aside. It's just like That's a you know, good point. no one can do that except for you, and that makes you awesome. Right? And, no, you know, is... not like creepy and scary at all. Right? Now, it is the, now, I believe it actually is true that it is does make Bran special. But the you know the part of the problem, of course, with a lot of this stuff is that who well, who is he going to talk to? You know, if he can't keep it a secret, if he's not keeping it a secret. Yeah, that's sort of, that's a classic issue with a lot of this adaptation stuff, is that you can't really reveal what's in people's heads when they don't want to tell who's, a, you know, the people around them. Or right. it doesn't make sense. So we lose a lot of that kind of subtlety. That's true, although they, they could have showed Bran, like, secretly taking over Hodor without anyone else knowing about it, if they wanted to. I, you know, it was very strange, yeah, so I don't know how much time they really had for Did Jojen, did Jojen say all that stuff to Bran about who he was in the books? Uh, at times. He got, he was, he was, he was a lot more incremental. He was a lot more obtuse as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, we should, we should move on to the next, uh, thing. Okay, so, there was that part, you know, we, and, what, it's right connected to the John Ygritte thing. Right. And the question is, do you think that the way they handled it was decent? Because, you know, in the book it's a little bit different. How's it different again? Well, Ygritte kills the guy with, uh, like, a that cuts his throat. Uh-huh. And John has, when John runs away, he has he gets the feeling that one of the arrows being shot at him is coming from her. Yeah. So, I feel like in the show they've changed a little bit. John and Ygritte's relationship. Um, I mean, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but I feel like in the book, she believed that he had completely gone over to the Wildlings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and she was loyal to the Wildlings. And she thought he was loyal to the Wildlings. On the show, they they make it clear that, like, she kind of knows that his loyalties are not with the Wildlings and that he still kind of feels faithful to the Night's Watch. But she thinks that he's faithful to her. And that she's faithful to him, and they have their own like unique special relationship, which supersedes any of those other loyalties. Mm-hmm. So, it it kind of made it a little more poignant when he left, um, because you know instead of instead of in the books it's like you know oh well you're not really a wildling really you're just a you know a nice watchman. In the show it was more like 
you don't actually care about me and our relationship as much as you care about being with the Night's Watch. Right, right. And I think that was, you know, uh, it might even have been better that way. Hmm. Yeah. I, the only thing I was thinking is just like, I think it was kind of dumb, like how Thorman Giants being was like, not really mad at Egret. It was like, it wasn't even like, I don't think he wasn't mad at her, but you know, like his response was like, I feel like it was way more subdued than that towards Egret than it really realistically would have been. Like maybe he wouldn't have killed Egret for, for trying to like help him or whatever, help John, but still, like, I don't know if Thorman Giant Spain would be really like, really take that sort of shit. You know what I mean? Interesting point. I mean, well, I, mean I think that Tormund you know, obviously likes Igrid a lot, and even likes John a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, this isn't... Well, then later it was, on... It was, it was so different in the book, because in the book, it's not Tormund Giantsbane, it's uh, it's the Magnar, the oh, Thems, right. right? Who, from the beginning, hates John, doesn't trust him, you know, um, is, like, just looking for an excuse to kill him, right? And doesn't particularly like Igrid either. Yes. So there's a, there's a very different dynamic. From Tormund, who's who's you know um, a little bit more brutal in the show than he was in the book, a little bit scarier, right? In the in the in the book, he's kind of mainly comic relief, um, but still not a guy who is in the habit of going around like killing people that he's fond of. Yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, I think the Magnar, as I recall, is someone who's going to be cast for next season. Yes, yes, and uh, and we're all excited for that. What? For what sure. is? What is the Magnar? Wait, wait. Oh, you mean for the battle? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, be. we're going to get a lot more. Uh, we're going to see more of the wildlings, even though John's not going to be with them. I mean, we haven't really remember. We didn't even meet um, Val or Dala or see the baby, right? Any of that. That's yeah, and we barely saw Mance. I mean, really. Like, Although, saw... that was good casting. But we yeah. need to see... You liked the, ca- the casting for Mance? Yeah. I so far, like there, are so two people, there are two people from Rome in, in, the, in, in the show. There's, uh, there's, um, and the person who plays Edmure played, um, uh, 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 Augustus or something, um, in, uh, in the Rome. So what was your problem with the casting? With Mance? I thought he was a little bit too old, a little bit too grizzled, you know. Mance was supposed to be like, I, I, I thought Mance was younger than that, and I thought he was also supposed to be like more charismatic and charming, oh, you know. Like a... he's he's a singer, isn't he? A singer? Doesn't he play an instrument? Yes, he does. And speaking and speaking of which, um, speaking of HBO incest, as they you know they like to do things, which I'm fine with. Um, uh, McNulty was supposed to be Dominic West. He was supposed yes. to be Ants Raider, and he turned it down. Yes. It would have been great. He would have been yes. so. They was... they wanted him. They wanted to get <laughs> Dominic <laughs> West, and the Dominic only... West would have been would have been really much he better, been... I think. Than, and uh, the only guy who guy. would have been better as Mans Raider than McNulty would have been Bunk. He would have been great <laughs> as Mans Raider. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I think you're saying that he's supposed to be younger, but he, ha- I mean, he's like totally gray, at least mostly. You know, so it's not. I mean, he, he's supposed to be middle aged. He's supposed to be middle aged, but, but 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 this guy is is like kind of the older side of middle age. I mean, that guy played Caesar in, in Rome uh, in in the show Rome, and he was you know he was middle aged then. Um, he he is a really good actor. It's just that 
just McNulty would have been so great. McNulty. I just I remember Mance being more. He's supposed to be more charming. He's kind of a ladies' man, you know, a little bit more um, flamboyant than this guy. I mean, remember the reason he left the Night's Watch was because he had this cloak that had like, um, you know, red cloth sewn into it. And they said, oh, you can't wear red. You're in the Night's Watch. You have to wear black. And he was like, fuck that. I'm leaving. Right? <laughs> it's basically what happened. You think that's really the reason? Like, No. I mean, the man's pretty smart. So it seems like oh, there's also hard to believe that he really could have uh, could have taken that vow of chastity seriously. You know, that's it's really not Manson's yeah. style. Yeah. I mean, I, it seems like maybe that was a straw that brought the camel's back. You know? Um... And like, and also remember, even even even, uh, uh, Lord Commander Mormont, like, was saying like, you know, like, he knows like they go out and they like go and like, like some of them go and meet like whores and whatever. Like he doesn't like in Mole Town. Mole Town, yeah. Um, Do we know anything about Mance from before he was in the Night's Watch? Before? Yeah. Um, I don't think we he's did. he's Ned's he's he's actually the person who Ned Stark copulated with. That's no, what it is. No, we do know. No, no. He's no, John father? I mean, yeah, sure. I, mean, I don't but, know what I mean. No, no, wait. We do actually know. We do know something. We know he was a wildling that was raised by the Night's Watch. Oh. Uh, and then really? he was ranging. He was healed by a wildling woman. And she mended his torn cloak with swatches of red fabric. That's why. That's where the color thing came from. Yeah. Because they said it had to wear black. And he said, yeah. you know what? The hell with this, because she saved his life, and so he all, he was always the thing is he was already kind of a wildling because that's where he came from. Right. So I guess you know that in that sense it makes sense that he has that connection, I suppose. Right. However, that being it's said, also supposed to be right. Remember when when Jon Snow first meets him and he doesn't know who Mance is and he just assumes that um, I mean he assumes that the Magnar is is uh, you know. Is the king yes. of uh, of the wildlings, and Mance is supposed to be like this guy playing a lute who looks like he's just a minstrel or something, right? True, but that's you know he's good at that kind of thing. Right, but the guy they cast to play Mance doesn't doesn't ever give that impression of being like, oh, you he, could just mistake he, me for a minstrel. He's like, more shrewd. That's kind of the like he seems like cold and shrewd. Just. But you're right. He doesn't really seem like a wildling. That's more I have an issue with. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, which maybe I guess is the point. But uh, I don't know. Yes, I suppose so. Uh, um, All right. Well, let's should, let's move should we on. talk about Daenerys uh, next? Yeah. Just to get that out of the. Yeah, let's do. That. I think. I think. Uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, worm? Not worm tongue. Gray worm. Okay, gray worm. He was clearly the best with the fight. He was awesome. He spinning was great. And it's not Trump. easy to make a spear fight look good. No, yeah, he was, and he, it was believable. Like, he was really good with it. Like, he was just, you know. Right, yeah, no, yeah. I liked it because they all had their different styles, you know. You know, yeah. Dora is sort of like a very talented Westerosi thing who's, like, picked up stuff from other places. You know, and Dario's kind of like the the head of the gold people. And obviously the Unsullied are trained in their crazy style. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about the Unsullied, though. Like, 
Don't, I would assume most of their training is involves fighting in formation, not right. like fighting individually, one-on-one. Yeah, oh, the... no, no, it's not just that. Don't you remember? There's like whole parts where they have to fight each other to and kill each other. That's right. I mean, I know they have to kill lots of people, but I thought that was just like to harden them. Yeah, but they also have to fight each other so that the best of them go forward. Remember, they fight each other to the death. Do they? During their training, yeah. And like gladiated gladiatorial kind of uh, battles. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't I imagine that. that it was much in the way of a real you know, arena thing, but yeah. It wasn't really mentioned that much in the show, but it's definitely in the book. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't remember that part. But yeah, that was that was cool. Um, and it was a way to, to, you know, spruce up, I guess, this uh, the whole Yunkai bit with a little bit more action because uh, if I remember in the books Yunkai basically surrenders without a fight or they come to some kind of agreement there's some compromise yeah. something like that <laughs> yeah. I mean right <laughs> so I mean we're talking about the whole you know Misa thing which is the name of episode 10 right and how that's got to be something you know it has to mean something well I mean what, what it means I think is like Isn't that... yeah. What it means is is like Danny has now freed all the slaves of Yunkai and like now they're hers. Like they're her people. Yeah, because like they the... can't stay in Yunkai. Right. So the other thing, the other thing, guys, I was thinking about this. Is, yeah, this is my other possible theory. It is possible the season will end with Catelyn being brought back to life. It might. It is too soon in terms of in terms of the books, but it may. For the show, they may do that. Well, that may be so. I mean, I guess you know they could you know they could just run across her. I mean, but Beric would have to kill himself essentially, or you know, however he does it, they bring her back. Right. Hmm. Right. And and that's the thing because Ari, uh, that would be really diverging from the book if Arya like like saw it happen, or whatever. Saw like, it like happen. She saw. Yeah, saw Beric. You know, turning back. There's no, no way that Arya wouldn't go to her mother if she saw her. No, I'm saying him seeing, her, like, her, her seeing the resurrection occur. She would still go to her mother. All right. All right. That, that, that brings up an interesting question, which is, um, what, in what way would you most want to see the show deviate from the books? Okay. Well, the problem is that it's hard to really get a good idea. I haven't done, like, myself an analysis of exactly how the timelines add up. I know some other people have, because, you know, like, a Feast for Koza and Dance of Dragons, Throne of Swords have intersecting timelines in a lot of ways. And I think there's some things you can compress pretty well. Okay, but I'm saying don't don't overcomplicate it. Just, um, you know, like, what what's something from the books that you want to see changed for the show? You want to see it differently? Changed? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if I have um, anything that I want to be changed. I mean, there wasn't anything particularly that I thought, ugh, this sucks. I hope they change you to the show. Oh, well, well are, we, are you speaking generally, Sam? Are you speaking right now, what's happening right now in the plot? Um, generally. Anything um, in the future. I hope that, you know, you know the whole, the, 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 Dor, the Dornish prince, that comes, the young Dornish prince who comes to woo uh, uh, Daenerys, I don't, I don't think we really need that. Oh, you mean It's kind of like... Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, well, I agree with that. I would, I like the, uh, here's what I would, if they're gonna do anything with that in the show, here's how I'd wanna see it. I'd wanna see like a little initial thing with Quentin 
which is, by the way, a great pussy name. <laughs> it is. And, yeah. and I think it's totally intentional that he, he's like, Quentin, what are you doing over there? Stop eating up all the chicken. So Quentin, I, I'd like to see like a, they'd have to get like a really good casting of like a, a bright-eyed, idealistic guy. I'm going to do it, Father. I'm going to go get Daenerys. Hooray. Yeah, sure you will, honey. So, and then, then like, we don't see him for a while. And then we see him basically letting the dragons go and getting killed. That's what I want to see. Because right, that's, how, in between. that's what we should have seen in the book. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not exactly what you call character development. No, but that character didn't have good development. So yeah. it doesn't. No, but you see what I'm saying. I, I would. I, I, this is part of one of those things that can be portrayed better in the in the visual way because you could have an actor with that kind of you know appeal. If you yeah, like I was saying, you have to be careful about the cast. Without having to be inside his lame mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, would, I would want to have people like, who is this guy? But then he's gone, and people sort of forget, and then suddenly he comes back, and it's like, and he suddenly it's like, hey, it's that guy. What the? Oh, this is this is gonna be big, guys! It's gonna be big, and then he just—he's dead. You know yeah. what? That's what I want to see. If we're talking about changes, yeah, I mean, it really yeah. sort of depends because, I mean, once you get to that point, who knows what, which season that will be, and whether or not even Winds of Winter is gonna have more chapters, or whether it's gonna be released. All right, well, well, here, here's the real question that, that we really gotta think about—the real issue, which is. Is the show going to catch up with the books and, and go beyond go beyond it? Which I which is not going to be cool. I'm not going to be happy with that. No, I wouldn't be either. And I don't think a lot of people would be happy with that. But it's very possible because I mean, also it may even uh, catch up. Well, Winds of Winter. Well, yeah. so here's the thing. Um, on the one hand, if this show is really popular and making lots of money, they're going to want to continue it even if they run out of book material to talk about. Um, I think it's reasonable to assume that Winds of Winter at least will be released before they get to that point on the show. But then, Maybe. you know, the last Sam, book... I understand. I'm a, I'm a long... I'm, I'm the longest... Time, I, I've been a George R. R. Martin fan the longest out of anyone here, and I'm telling right. you, you can't make any predictions. Okay. Like, That's like, fair. I, I, I would like to think that, but listen. But I mean, anyway, what I was saying was... Um, you know, so I, I, you know, if if it's making money, they're going to want to keep going. But on the other hand, how many HBO shows have even gone for more than six seasons, uh, let's see. or even Sopranos. like five seasons? You know, I mean, I think what did the Sopranos go for six seasons? Yeah, they like split up one of the seasons, but like still, it's, it's six. And that's, there was like a real that's a long time for enthusiasm. HBO. I think HBO just doesn't have shows that last that long. Right, well, that's true. But so they might want to even end the show earlier. Well, they said seven recently, but who, well, truth is, their ratings were are really quite good right now. Like better, they I think like they won their time slot. Like I don't know how many years has True Blood been on. That's a pretty popular show too, but I don't know. I feel like that's been on for a number of years. Yeah. True Blood it does seem that way, doesn't it? Along with all the supposed nudity and bloods and such. At least I think that's what's in it. And actually never yeah, seen I wasn't too impressed with the show when I saw it. I mean, I'm sure it's sure. it's all right. But, um, well, I mean, I know it's based on a book series. No, it wasn't like I don't think HBO really makes really shitty, shitty things. But it was. 
Anyway, anyway I, I, think, I think, I mean, I mean, we don't know, but what does that mean? What will that mean if they, if they end it at a certain point? You know, the series isn't done. I mean, the book series isn't done. What does that mean? Like, well, I, I mean, they I could really leave hope... the story. They could kind of leave the story unfinished, um, or they could just make up their own ending and just sort of end think, it a little bit think, arbitrarily. Do you think they would pause it and wait? Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously they know how it's all gonna end. But do they know any interim step? I, I don't think so, considering I don't think good old George of Martin knows either. Well, I mean, but there have been there have been HBO shows that have had sort of gaps between seasons, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Sopranos did. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. The, even The Wire, I think, also was that. I don't, I don't really know how much of a break. But when you're talking, I don't, know, I don't know that they would have like a three-year gap or something if they were waiting for a book, you know, to be published yeah, or something like that. Like that seems kind of excessive. Maybe they had that show that George R. R. Martin is writing. For. <laughs> so I guess we should talk about the big one here, The Red Wedding. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that when we were talking earlier offline, Benji, you were saying how the wedding in the book is pretty long. It's like a hundred pages. You get to go see Arya as she's getting closer. Wait, wait, wait. You said, I didn't say it was. I didn't say it was too long. You said no, no. It was pretty long. They had like a hundred pages that right. kept getting right. Arya as she was getting closer, which we actually did a little bit in the show too, but. I feel like in general, to me, I, it's hard It's hard to say. Let me ask both of you, because I don't really know. When you read this in the book, did you feel like it had like a real emotional reaction? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. It was, it was, it was heart-wrenching. I mean, it, it, like, and that's part of the thing, because, like, I'm never, like, that's why I kind of accept this. I really liked how they, how, how they did it. I felt they kind of did the best with what they could do, but that's... That's why I felt I felt like it's hard for me to really react to in the same way because it's really one of those first time things. Like it, like if you already know about it ahead of time or you know any, anything like that, it does not have the same effect. Because I didn't know like like you could sort of guess at it, but you didn't know like the way it was going to happen. It was done in such a, like a like a like a sort of horrific and heart wrenching way. It wasn't just that. Because even if they had a scene, or even they had something where where Rob was was killed by the phrase, you'd be sad. But just the the, the whole scene, like, I, I mean, George R. Martin said he wrote it last. Like, you know, it was so hard to hard to do. Like, it, like so. Anyway, I did. I don't know about you, Sam. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, it definitely had a big emotional impact for me reading it in the book. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's horrible. It's depressing. It's it's just awful. Um, and he's very evocative and, and just describing all of these people getting killed and, you know, like they're just getting shot with, with arrows or, or crossbows or whatever. And then, you know, they get up and then they're shot some more and, you know, um, yeah, it's, a massacre. it's just, no. it's just horrible. Um, watching it on the show, already knowing what was going to happen was obviously a very different experience. Um, for one thing, the whole thing is smaller on the show, but also, right. um, you know, I, I knew, you know, I knew what to expect and it wasn't, it didn't have the same impact for me that, um, like for instance, watching Ned Stark get killed in season one. Yeah. Um, that even though I knew exactly what was going to happen, it was still so intense and so shocking and so impactful. And the only thing that was really shocking and intense, I thought for me as somebody who already knows what's going to happen about the Red Wedding was, you know, just the the start of it when this guy walks up to Talisa, 
um, yeah. who's not in the books. Um, he just walks up to her and just starts stabbing her, um, specifically in her uterus, which, you know, obviously because they must have gotten word that she was pregnant. Um, you know, it's a very um, evocative and symbolic sort of act, um, yeah. but also very brutal. One of the one of the most brutal things I think that they've shown on the show. Right, right. But when you know beyond that point, it was just uh, you know I mean I knew it was going to happen and it it didn't it didn't really hit me the same way. Of course. That uh, that for example you know Ned's execution where you have that that sudden turn where you know Joffrey says uh, oh Sansa you know has, and my mother have begged me you know to be merciful. But they have the hearts of women, and you know, yeah, cut off his head. You know what like, I think it was, and that's just like such a such a even even knowing it was going to happen, it still like caught me by surprise almost. Um, and this didn't didn't you know it didn't really catch beyond beyond just like watching Talisa get stabbed in the gut repeatedly. Um, it didn't nothing really caught me by surprise. You know, oh, they went and they shot you know Grey Wind, and like I know that a lot of people feel more strongly about animals getting killed than people. But for me, it was just like, yeah, well, yeah, they're going to shoot him. I know they're going to shoot him. Like, also, it also in, the show, the, same in the show, they have not done such a great job of connecting us with the direwolves. I, I know because of issues, but like... Yeah, because yeah. the budget is expensive. But, but, the, the, the thing is, is I, I think you're right, Sam. I think, I think, I, I was, I, you're right that I think that, that Ned's, Ned's death was a little more powerful. I think part of it, I, I think it, it, it perhaps is because of a couple things. I think what was really powerful about the, the whole Ned thing was the way they filmed it is, you know, you show you showed like you showed both Sansa and Arya reacting. You know, the whole thing with uh with Yorin like sort of like making making uh making like Arya like like look at like do not look, do not look, that whole thing. And then you know, with I think really what carried the scene in the Red Wedding, I think really what what, what carried all that stuff and the emotional weight of it was just the fact that that uh, Filch and Michelle and Michelle Fairley are are exquisite actors. You know, sorry, Walter Frey. Um, yes, so, Walter. I, I know, I know. I just wanted to say it. But uh, but Walter. I mean, Walter Frey. Like, that guy's a great actor, and 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 uh, so is Michelle Fairley as Catelyn. And they're just really good, really, really good. So I think they could carry some of that emotional stuff. But I, but I think that's right. And and what you're missing. From in the in the in the sh- in the show, which which I, I talked about many times before, and it's hard to get is you don't get you know the thing in the book is that Catelyn's like talking about it, and she's worried about it, and you know she's worried about it, and then you see Arya almost getting to her, and then the whole thing that was really heart wrenching for me when I was reading the book is like Catelyn starts talking about she she's like sort of like crying out to Ned in her head. Remember that whole thing where she's like Ned, they killed all our babies, like all, all our sweet babies, like that whole thing, yeah. like they've killed, you know. And uh, because she thinks that all her kids are dead, um, pretty much. And then the whole thing where she like gets, you know, the 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 fray, the 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 one who's like the simpleton. I think it's fine that they switched that, it, that she killed the the wife. That, I think that was a fine, uh, yeah. that was an alright choice. Yeah, that was fine. But like you know, it's like it's like he like she like sawed his his neck to bone, and you know, and they say like and 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 she and you know they stuck a, right. a sword through. Heart, That's right. Know? In the in the book it's so much more visceral because she talks about like sawing through his his throat to the bone and just like she's like just still sawing away at it like it's it's just it, it is like there's no it, show, it shows her it shows her it shows her manic state that's the whole thing right. she has she gets this manic state. and remember she was trying to get to walder Frey at first she was trying to kill him that was the thing 
Mm-hmm. Ever? Right. Well, she did hear a little bit too, but obviously couldn't get close enough. Yeah, but like, and 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 yeah, and that, and that's the whole thing. And then like, you know, they they did sort of show it in the in the in the show. You know how she how like after she she killed after she killed the wife that she uh um that she sort of like her face went blank, and I, I think that was fine. I think that sort of shows her her manic state or whatever. Um, Stop but, manic. Or her face, like like it was just it a loss. Manic. It was just her grief. You know, they they conveyed her grief. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, so, what did you think? Which part? The red wedding. What was your what's what are your thoughts? What's your reaction to it? So overall, I thought it was very well done. Yeah, I thought in particular that I thought Michelle Fairley was very good in general, and David Bradley, who played Filch, Walter Filch, right? I mean, he was hilarious. He was really funny through the episode. That's oh, he's great, and it's clear how much he enjoys doing that character and how perfect he is. Yeah, yeah, he's great as Walter Frey. It's like he is one of the things. One of the great things about an actor is like when you're watching an actor, you're watching somebody on a TV show, and you don't even like on an outlandish TV show like Game of Thrones. You know, it's not it's not just your basic TV show. You you've got these like weird characters, but like you're watching somebody. And, like, you don't think for a second that you're watching an actor or a performance. You know, you're just watching a person, right? Because he just embodies that person to the degree that, you know, it's it's like, you know, he is that person. Um, yeah. You know, and we talk a lot about, um, you know, one of Benji's and Jeremy's, both of you guys, one of your favorite actors is Daniel Day-Lewis and how he's, you know, this great method actor who just immerses himself in roles. Um there's a lot of actors on Game of Thrones, you know, not necessarily method actors, but they're character actors who get deeply into their characters. And yeah. I think he's he's one of them. Like, you just like, look at him and he is Walter Frey. You know, he doesn't look like a like an actor. He looks like this creepy old, you know, medieval lord. Oh, yeah. You know, that that's who he is. Like, that, that whole thing. Yeah. Talking a little bit about naturalism, naturalistic performances. Right. Yeah. He, um, and the other thing that's interesting, this is, I guess, a side, a side point about it, also about the Red Wedding, is in the back of your mind, to some degree, like, Walder Frey does have a little bit of a point. It's just that, or, it's just that we are sympathetic towards the Starks, you know, and that he, like, tricks them. And he is, like, a lecherous guy, but he did, like, you know, like, like, he has a, a little bit of a point. Well, no, he you know, has a point that, you know, Rob screwed him over. But, on the other hand, he's kind of breaking this really old custom. Right, right, right. No, that's the whole thing, you know, it's brutal yeah. and all that. Yeah, oh, can we talk about that? Because yeah. that's something that, really, the show didn't really explain at all. The whole the whole concept of the, the guest's right and, and the, you know, the symbolic significance of eating bread and salt in somebody's home and, you know, and the protection that that implies... Um, you know, the show didn't really, they didn't explain any of that. They, they demonstrated it. They had a ceremony where they ate bread and salt and, you know, okay, that seems nice. But like, they never said anything about, you know, what it means to, um, you know, to, to offer your hospitality to somebody and then to violate it. Um, you know, and, and what a horrible crime that Walter's, Walter Fry is committing, not just by murdering people, but a crime against honor. 
you know, a crime against his own honor by murdering them in his home after he specifically made this this pact with them. Um, you know, it's not none of that is in the show, which is which is disappointing because yeah, okay, so what he did was villainous, but I think people don't understand quite how villainous it was, how shocking the concept of the Red Wedding was. You know, and in the books, Catelyn even makes a big point of saying, before the whole thing happens, before the wedding, before Rob goes in there, she says, make sure that you eat bread and salt. You know, like, if you eat bread and salt, then we will know that we're safe. You know, none of that was in the show, which is which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, because they could have said, they, they could have said something like that. It's also interesting juxtaposition because the whole thing with the Dothraki wedding is there's supposed to be death and fighting. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, yeah, a bit different, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're right. I mean, once again, it's like you only have so much time and also in the show to really explore all that. I mean, what you get across, I think, in the show is just, holy shit, this, this just happened and he like double, he like tricked them and all that. Um, I, I think, I think that's part of it. Um, so, oh, and did you notice they changed the line? First of all, was it Roose Bolton who, who killed Rob in, in the books? I asked Jeremy, but Sam, do you remember? Yes. And then it the other thing is, the, the line, the line, actually, the line is slightly Jamie, different. Yeah. It is yeah. different. He said, Jamie Lannister sends his regards. And in fact, right. I thought they were going to do that because remember, Jamie Lannister did say, even in the show, to Roose Bolton, send my regards. Yeah, he does. But he obviously didn't mean it that way because he, you know, he knew nothing about the Red Wedding. He was in jail when all this was being planned. Um, yeah. So, so it's interesting. It's interesting that this show that they changed it. I think they they're trying to distance Jamie from this whole thing. Um, you know, and like saying Jamie Lannister sends his regards. It almost sounds like he's just another of those Lannisters, and he's you just as complicit. And he's really not complicit. Yeah, you know what? Even in the book, when he said Jamie Lannister sent sent his regards, I actually was like, "What?" Like, <laughs> I was like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> what does this have to do with what does do with Jamie Lannister?" You know. So, but in the book, it was just sort of like a dark joke, like that nobody got except for his Bolton. Right, and if they did that in the show, people would assume it meant something. Also, also, uh, Roos is a, a different character in the in the book. I mean, you know, he's got that like pale face, and he's soft spoken. I don't have such an issue. He's pretty soft-spoken in the show. Yeah, but you know, you get the sense of kind of this, like, kind of like creepy, like, 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 like really soft. I, I don't know. Like, I think you. Or he's got that smooth face. Like, he's just a, he's just like a, a freaky dude. Um, but uh, it's basically, um, you know, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, I yeah, I, I think that um, yeah. I, I, I still thought it was well done. I mean, I think uh, also part of the shock of it, just in general, is also, and I remember thinking this in the books, is that, you know, the phrase seem kind of minor, but they're the ones who wipe, now, even though they collude with the Lannisters, it's like, they're the ones who, who wipe out the Starks, you know, and it's, it's kind of crazy, cause like, it's like side, because they're not necessarily a powerful house, necessarily, I don't think they're a weak house, but like, and part of the whole thing, I think what come, what goes, what's like underneath the whole thing is Walder, and probably the whole house sort of feels like they're always like spat on and shat on by by other by other houses. You know, they got ugly ugly women, and that's their whole thing. No. Yeah. Well, the fries the fries would like to think of themselves as being the equivalent of one of the great houses, and nobody treats them that way. Like you said, everyone sort of looks down on them as being like very much a secondary sort of noble house. And um yeah, and so there is that resentment. 
I mean, it's even it's just sort of hinted at it on the show, like when um, you know, when um, Catelyn says, oh, you know, he wanted his daughter to marry a king, and Rob says this, you know, his daughter is marrying the best match in the history of his house. Right. Right. You know, like he should appreciate that, and like it, it just sort of shows a little bit like the the attitude that the that the the higher ranking nobles have for the fries, and also that you know that the fries is somewhat legitimately feel like they're they're sort of being dumped on. That's, that's oh, thank that's you, Benji. Thank you for that. Well, <laughs> that was also driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's Sam, Sam, let's go. Let's get your pronunciation correct, please. Okay. <laughs> Do it. Do I? I mean, I always say, I always say the fries, right? Yeah, pedantry. Yeah. Yeah, it's clearly Frey. So it is Frey. It is. It is Frey, I suppose. I don't know. I uh, I have a problem, which is that when I read the book, I I start pronouncing the characters, all the characters, well, a certain way in my head, and then you know. Of course. Well, let me let me tell you, let me tell you some things. Yeah, I, thought, I pronounce it differently. I thought Tyrion for for a long time, but here's really the worst part. Sure, sure. I actually. Thought it was Grevjoy for the longest time. <laughs> oh! Somewhere in my mind, I cut out the bottom part of the Y and thought it was a V. It just started. I think it was just when I started reading because I wasn't actually. I That's don't really excuse me. Yeah, it is. I mean, I also. Funny. I've, had, I've had a few characters names that I pronounced. You know, not just like it's not just sort of a variation of accents or whatever, but wrong. Like for example, um, Sir Alistair Thorne. I always thought that his name was Alistair. I just thought so there was a T in there. Right. Just assumed there was a T. Kind of it was Alistair, but it's not. It's Alistair. It's like, there's like a Sir Jeremy in the day, and you're like, and you wonder, is it just my name? Right. All right. So let's wrap things up a little bit here. Yeah. And just talk about our overall thoughts of this episode. I feel like we really shouldn't talk about the season as a whole until we see the ending, because that's going to inform a lot. Right. Uh, of course. So. Let's hold off on our season grades, if you will. Let's just talk about what we think of the episode. My feeling is it's a pretty strong episode. Yeah. Very strong ending. Yeah. And was it perfect? Eh, probably not. But I really liked it. One of the better ones of the series. Yes. Yes. I agree. Um, I think it. You know, it was it was a very strong episode. It pretty much you know, solidifies this season as being, um, you know, I mean, we're not to talk about the whole season necessarily, but, um, you know, I, in general, I like the third season better than the second. Um, but, but in the terms of this episode, I thought that it was a very strong episode. I thought it was probably the best episode of this season. Um, the only one that I would possibly say might be better than this one is the one where Jamie gets his hand cut off. Um, you know, it has a lot of other good stuff in it too, besides Jamie getting his hand cut off. But uh, um, but between this one and that one would be would be the best of this season. And um, and you know, and I think that the way they executed the red wedding was very strong. They did it well, like you said. It wasn't. It might not have been perfect, but um, but it was it was done effectively. And I think that you know they got the reaction they were looking for from the audience. No, so many people cursing out HBO. <laughs> I know this is HBO. I know they're from books. But they didn't have to put that in there. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> in, in the words of our father, spare me. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's the same thing, you know. Um, the people, the people who are saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm not going to watch the show anymore. I give up." Yeah, well, we'll you know, because remember, we we heard the same thing back in season one when Ned got killed. People were like, "Oh, I'm not watching this show anymore." And uh, yeah, then they then they kept watching it. Well, yeah, it's funny because remember we we're talking to John, who we watched it with him, who hasn't read any of the books. And he didn't really know what was going to happen at all, so he was kind of shocked. And I've been very good about not telling him things. In fact, I kind of made him think that Rob was not going to die, so he was really shocked. Yeah. But, I've, like, one of the things he said before we ever started watching is, he's like, somebody told me that everybody dies. Yeah. Oh, Lord. But, I don't know who's trying to be an asshole to you. It's like, they just don't, if they just heard that kind of thing from someone else. Yeah. That that's the that's the mark of someone who hasn't actually really read the books or doesn't or doesn't really actually pay attention to the books while they're reading it. Right. Anyway, we talked about this before about how most of the Starks are still alive. John Cuff is also probably here, here. Here's the thing. But yeah, most people are not. And here's the, the other part of the books is that a lot of like peripheral characters do die. And sometimes in but so Ian's still alive. Cersei's still alive. Jamie's still alive. You know, Daenerys is still alive. Bran's still alive. Uh, you know, Sansa's is still alive. Arya's still alive. It's Tywin, Lysa, um, Lysa. Oh, Littlefinger's still alive too. Yeah, Tywin, Ty, Tywin, Lysa. Uh, uh, yeah. Who, who else? Who else died? Oberyn Martell, John, Aaron, John Aaron died. And Joffrey, of course. And Joffrey's a great example. And, and yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, I, I, obviously I'd reiterate what you guys said. I thought the little, whole little Robert Aaron, he's still alive. Yeah. Right? For now. <laughs> oh, sweet Robin. We'll see how long he lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so, I think so, he's I, this world. so, so I wanted to cap up, like, when you're asking me, like, obviously I agree with all you guys. I think you're definitely one of the best episodes of the series. You know, every part was strong, could have been better, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of the whole thing in general. I mean, the show, I think, still will never be as good as the books. I really do think that, but I, but I mean, I, I enjoy the show, and we also expect that it's, that it's, it, we'd be really surprised if it was better than this. Anyway, what I'll say is, just I wanted to just leave with like a little anecdote, maybe a question that we could really, really talk about. Um, it was interesting seeing all these responses, and and I had a little snafu, and Jeremy saw this happen, where I I saw and I I saw online like a couple minutes after the, or like at least five or ten minutes after the the, the show the episode was done. I saw that people were posting like, "Oh, what the fuck just happened on Game of Thrones?" Blah blah blah, as I expected. And I and I thinking, seeing that everyone's responding to it, I just put up my own thing without thinking about it. And I, I my my post was, I said something to the effect of like, um, like, and you thought the Ned Stark thing was big, and like hashtag hashtag like I knew about the Red Wedding, uh, like uh, a long time ago when I read when I read the fucking book. That was my hashtag. Right. And like, I didn't think much about it. But here's the thing: a few people liked it, and then like I. A few people like actually, I don't know if how serious they were, but actually like kind of like, um, like, like complained a little bit, like, oh, you gave it away from me. Well, I haven't seen this yet. Blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking like, that's true. I should have thought about it. I shouldn't have put, put up as like a, a, a spoiler. I might not have seen it yet. Right. And, and that's, that's true. I should have thought about it. But one thing that I mentioned and I made a comment on this later is that, is that to really be honest about it, if, if, if there's something that's like in pop culture, that's either a book or a, or a series or something like that, and it's really pertinent, like, it's really, it's like happening right now, it's a current thing. If you really are, truly don't, don't want to have spoilers happen, you gotta be kind of vigilant about, about being on Facebook and Twitter and, and Tumblr and, and things like that. I really do think that. And I, what I brought up is that 
um, you know, the, the whole, I guess, uh, Harry Potter spoiler, you know, as if no one knows, you know, the whole thing with Dumbledore, like I, I got that spoiled for me a long time before, before I, I read about it. And then when I got the seventh book of, of Harry Potter, I specifically tried to avoid a lot of media outlets. And, you know, you could say, oh, that's unrealistic. But I specifically tried not to hear about about what was going to happen in that in that book. And I, I think, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you guys feel about that, that situation? Well, I mean, I can agree because for the sixth and seventh books, I ordered it and I got it on a Saturday. And so I wasn't accessing any Internet stuff until I got it and then I read it until I was done. And then I got online. So I mean, I wasn't really. I was protecting myself. It's it's tough. I mean, on the one hand, yeah, like whatever. I I managed to avoid all spoilers for Harry Potter. I knew that somebody was going to die at the end of the fourth book. I actually predicted who was going to die at the end of the fourth book. Um, from just from knowing that one character would die, I I correctly predicted who it would be. That's reasonable because what if you do know someone's going to die? Yeah. Yeah. So uh. Spoilers. But but I managed to avoid spoilers for that. But the thing is, like, I mean, I think of something like, for example, the ending of The Sopranos. That was like a because because the Harry Potter books kind of first of all they're books, so it's not like everyone's experiencing them at exactly the same time. And also that was really before Twitter really exploded. True, true. So, right. um, but but like the thing with and I'm not even on Twitter, but it was impossible for me. And I you know I never watched The Sopranos. So I didn't care what happened in the end, but it was impossible for me to avoid finding out what happened in the last episode because everyone was talking about it and nobody cared about spoiling it and it was just everywhere. Um, so on the one hand, there's that. And I feel like people couldn't possibly avoid if they're, if they're not Game of Thrones watchers, but maybe they might watch it in the future or something. Like it's, it would be impossible for them to not know that like something crazy and shocking and horrifying happens in this episode because it was everywhere. But I, I, I didn't think anyone noticed what I was saying. At the same time, people people who do watch the show, I think, have an obligation to not just like broadcast stuff all over the place, yeah. you I, know, I, in a really I, obvious way, like to just basically like like just spill the beans and just assume that everyone watches the show within 24 hours of it of its airing because not everyone does. Like you you know you you should be, you got to be careful about these things. Like it's not it's not fair to the other people. And she has her own Vine account, which is kind of like that Twitter for a video thing. And uh, she posted a video of herself talking with a, an American South accent, saying that her uh, brother and mother were dead. Uh-huh. I don't know if you saw that. They dead. They gone and gotten still killed like that. It's pretty funny. Adorable. But she shouldn't be spoiling it for people. Actor on the show. Seriously. <laughs> Why are all these actors on the show having interviews about their characters getting killed? Well, well you know, listen, Maisie Williams can do whatever she wants because she's adorable. Well, I think that's true. Well, the, 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 the interesting thing, though, is I also wonder, how is anything not spoiled these days that's on, that's on like, TV, or, or, TV or, or movies? Books, maybe you can keep it a little under, but it's like, how do you... You can avoid it if you... If you, if you make a concerted effort, it's, yeah. it's, it's just difficult. Um, the problem is that sometimes you might see a, a header or a headline that says about last night's thrilling, crazy, bloody episode of Game of Thrones. No, but if, if you, no, no, but if you but if you go on on YouTube, you immediately get you write Ned Stark, you see like Ned Stark dies or Rob Stark dies. Yeah. Like you know, if you type in YouTube, I know it's ridiculous. Yeah. 
that's just the way of the world. Alright, we should probably wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. I think we could say good, good episode, and we'll have to rediscuss it. Okay. For the season, and just do a little bit of a retrospective. Alright, nerd you later. Nerd you later. Nerd you later.